Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 137 of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight we are, or today really, because it's Friday. I always say tonight, but today, because it's Friday, we are covering episodes 18. So 518, 818, and 718. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. Bryna could not be with us today. It's okay. It's all good because we have a special guest filling in. She's a regular listener. We love her to pieces. You've heard her before. Jennifer is joining us today. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Hi, everybody. It's so much fun. We have so much fun with Jennifer all the time. So um, a little refresher, just to like refresh your memory. So Jennifer is... She's a listener of the podcast, yes. And then we all got to meet up in Chicago during the Heroes event this past October. Remember, like, gatherings and conventions and when people could be in the same space at the same time with other people? Those are the days, right? It's been, like, six months since we've been able to see everyone and hang out with our favorite cast members. So a little sad. It also feels like it's been six months since we were allowed to, you know, walk outside our house and, you know, not be six six feet apart from people. Yeah. The usual. So, uh, Jennifer, how are you? How are you doing? Are you? How's your quarantine? Are you working from home? Are you socially distancing? What are you doing? Um, I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home. I'm social distancing. Really, the only time I go outside is to walk the dog. So that's been fun. But yeah, just working from home, binging Chicago PD whenever it's on. So yeah, that's been the best, hasn't it? I'm lucky enough to work yeah. from home as well. And I'm telling you, the past three days have been just like USA will have a marathon, and then Oxygen will have a marathon. And then I think today was Ion, and so you just yeah. work, and you got PD on in the background, and you're just kind of yelling at the TV for all these moments you've already seen. It's great. I know. You'll, like, send the text and be like, PD's on, and I'm like, well, I got a second screen, so I'm just going to have it going on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And then throughout the day, we'll just be texting each other these key moments that have happened in history. Yeah. Like, randomly out of the blue, you'll get a text and be like, stupid Roman, or like, Jay looked so good in that scene. The usual, just fun stuff. So as always, we start off with the news. We do have a little bit, you know, things have slowed a little bit just because of the pandemic and everything. You know, obviously production has come to a halt, but we've gotten a little, we've got a little bit of stuff to talk about. So we have episode descriptions for episodes 19. These are the episodes that air on Wednesday, April 8th. That's a key thing to note there, April 8th. So Wednesday, April 1st, no new episodes. Wednesday, April 8th, so two weeks. Chicago Med Season 5, Episode 19 is called Just a River in Egypt. Dr. Charles evaluates a 15-year-old who is brought into the ED after an apparent fall off of an overpass. Will sides with Dr. Asher on a risky treatment plan. And tensions run high between Dr. Choi and Dr. Marcel. All right. My, how the tables have turned, right? Will used to be contradicting Hannah all the time, and now he's just like, "Mm, okay, whatever you say. Yeah, but I feel like that'll change by the end of the episode because it's Will, so, you know, he he flips. Uh, The whole Dr. Choi and Dr. Marcel, I mean, when are the tensions going to, like, not be there? I mean, at some point, they have to come to an agreement or at least agree to disagree, right, that... 
you know, they I were mean, in the wrong. Both of them are so prideful right now that they're just, uh, nothing's going to change between these two in the immediate future. Because obviously, I mean, Dr. Choi is yeah. like, no, I was wronged. Like, you guys did me wrong. That's mean. I'm sticking by it. And then Marcel's like, I did what I did. So both of them are just so prideful right now. I don't really see anything changing for the time being. Yeah. But I yeah, don't know. I don't. Hopefully things get smoothed out out with them yeah, at some point have you seen? i think that'll be a season six thing yeah have you seen the promo photos for this episode yeah they uh they look a little intense between dr Choi and at least april yeah April or ethan looks pissed yeah he yeah. does there's some sort of confrontation that looks to happen at some point in the episode and ethan and neither one of them looks happy so we'll see i don't know it'll it, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens there especially if the natalie and marcel stuff plays out mm -hmm. you know i mean then you're gonna have april and natalie kind of you know hashing it out whether april wants to go after marcel or if if april finds out that natalie likes marcel you know then we're gonna have i don't want to say girl fight but we're definitely gonna have those two kind of going at it yeah and this is something yeah. that i have been weary of since the get-go i'm like these are two skilled intelligent women these women are so much better than fighting over a guy in the ed yeah especially a guy Ooh. with as big of an ego as crockett yes he will go after anyone i mean we saw last night that he was like having another date yeah Crazy. we'll get there we'll get there because yeah. there's yeah. a lot to unload there so we also had fire uh, let's see here. Fire 819 is called Light Things Up. Jennifer, will you please take us through this one? Yes. So tensions build when a group of rabble rousers <laughs> attempt to lock down the firehouse. Brett is faced with a monumental decision. Cruz readies himself for the big day. Gallo and Ritter attempt to launch Firehouse 51 into the social media age. I love every bit of this. Yes. I rabble rousers is one of those like buzzwords or phrases that makes me laugh every single time. I don't know why. Um, yeah. that's funny. I'm yeah. Cruise's wedding. Cruise's wedding. Like, God, we're finally here. This is it. This is it. I'm nervous about it. I, um, I think I know why, but tell everybody else why. So if, if the listeners don't remember a few weeks ago when they were filming it, um, we saw like Annie and Daniel, they were posting content on social media behind the scenes of them in the church with their dress clothes. Great. Then the next thing we see is them in what we can only assume is med with a machine beeping and they're still in their dress clothes. So what's going to happen here? I, I don't. Oh, can we just have Cruz have a good wedding? We just need him to just get married. Just get married. Just, yeah. And I mean, the promo photos came down on Thursday during the day and we all just about died because they're beautiful and they're perfect. And it's a big, gorgeous church wedding, just like Cruz deserves. Nothing had better go wrong. I mean, but I don't, yeah, I don't see a scenario where they get to med in their clothes from the wedding and it's not something... That happened at the wedding. Yeah. I only remember Annie, Daniel, and I think it was Christian and David in like the videos. So, and they looked like they were standing up and being okay. So hopefully we don't have an injury that's too harmful. 
I hate this game that we always play of like when they're at med and then we play the game of who's in this photo. And then it's like, right, we check all the boxes. We're like, okay, there's Taylor, there's Tony, there's Cap, there's Annie. I hate this game. It's stressful. But it also kind of makes it interesting too. Like that, it gets me excited for the next episode. And I'm like, all right, let's see what, let's see what uh, the writers have to throw at us tonight. Yeah. Which, I mean, when we talk fire, we will get into that because Derek, you did it again. Yep. every single time but we'll see so pde 719 is called buried secrets the clock is on after ruzik witnesses a woman's kidnapping and the team races to put the pieces together burgess tries to connect with ruzik outside of work but he mysteriously distances himself from her it's an angsty burzik episode yes please give it to me now thank you yes i'm ready just I'm ready and the yeah. promo photos, just, I'm ready. Happy yeah. Burgess. I don't know why Ruzik is sitting in the back of an Ambo. I don't like it, but he looks okay, so. Yeah. Yeah, he just has that little scrape on his forehead. I can work with that. It's just too many flashbacks yeah. of, like, Jay in the Ambo and Jay sitting in the back of the Ambo. Yeah, 301, like, 709. We don't need any of that for Ruzik. No nope. No. None. Nope. Yeah, so that'll be good. They I'm can, ready for They me. can take that, because I don't want that. No. Nope, no. none of that. Just just protect our PD babies at all costs, please. Just yes. Yep. Yes. So, yes, those are the episode descriptions. Nothing for episodes 20 yet, but we'll let you know when that happens. I wonder if there's going to be a gap, like another gap, like how we don't have an episode next week, but that we do it the week after. Like, right. I wonder if there's going to be another gap after that. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious to see, like, if they'll wait to show episodes 20, mm -hmm. because it seems like a lot of the shows kind of ended around that time if they'll wait until May where they would normally end the shows or if they'll just go ahead and push it through to April and, you know, we'll just end early. So. Yeah. I know supernatural. They aired what they called their last episode for a while uh, last yeah. week. So, but that's okay with me because the longer they go, they, I mean, they can't yeah. end the show without a finale. So I'm cool yeah. with that. That's a whole separate issue. So. Uh, we also have an article from TV Guide. It's just a little blurb. I feel like this is almost kind of recycled from something we saw a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's an article from TV Guide just saying Chicago Med might be giving us a Natalie and Marcel romance. And literally it uses the same quote that we had from Andy and Diane, just saying, we've considered bringing them together romantically. What, where do you stand on Crockett and Natalie? Because I am on team absolutely not. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean... If they do want to explore it, that's fine, but don't have it go on too long. Right. You know, like I need it to be Natalie, you know, falls for Marcel or whatever. She, they date for maybe an episode or two, maybe even three. And then she realizes her feelings for Will. I don't need it to be anything more than, you know, at least a five episode arc. I don't need it anything more than that. You have more patience than I do. Five episodes. I'm like, no, just, just fix the shit. <laughs> That's like as much as I'm giving it. It right. would be five. So yeah, yeah, I just no, no. And also, this would be this would kind of be an enemies to lovers trope, which we saw run into the ground with Connor and Ava. Yeah. Please no. Yeah, no. We especially after last night. I don't really want that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah. that's about all the news we've got. Again, it's kind of slim pickings right now, just given the state of everything. But you guys know the drill. If you see any news, you know, send it to us. However, internet, text, if you have our numbers, DM, 
whatever, you know, you guys are really good about that. And it helps us a lot because, you know, we can only be on Twitter so many hours of the day. Granted, yep. we're all on Twitter a lot more than usual with the, the current conditions, but <laughs> you know, so, all right. So without further ado, I think we will move into the episodes, shall we? Yes. All right. We're going to start with med because it's the first up. So the first thing we're going to go through is we are going to talk about Will and Hannah. Oh, well, just oh. face palm. Okay. So yeah. let's just like dive right into like the hot topic here right off the bat. Okay. The episode mm-hmm. opens and Hannah and Will are walking into med and they're not having any conversation. They are debating deep dish pizza. So yes. Will is all about his deep dish. He loves it. Hannah is not. Hannah's all like, yeah, it's like lasagna. So she likes thin crust better. And she's just like, that is how it should be. Now, I'm glad that we're having you on tonight or today of all weeks because you, Jennifer, are a Chicago native. You are a Chicago resident. You're yes. pretty much the voice on this. So whatever I say <laughs> is just completely invalidated. So where do you stand? I like deep dish. I, I just like thick crust pizza anyway. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily deep dish. I don't have it all of the time, but I like a thicker crust. So, I mean, I got I to gotta go with Will on this one. I can see where he's coming from. I I tried it last time I was there, and I mean, I wasn't impressed. It's it, I was just like, okay, this is like even cheesier than normal pizza. Yeah, I really just have one deep dish um, like restaurant that I go to. So, I mean, mine might not be as good as others, and so you know that could be why I'm saying deep dish over anything else. But yeah, no, I. Uh, I just like thick crust pizza, so deep dish is up my alley. <laughs> is your spot, is it a Lumalnati's or an Uno's, or is it like a secret? Lumalnati's. Okay. Lumalnati's, yeah. 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 So you watch these shows long enough, you start to know things yeah. <laughs> about Chicago. So, okay, all right. All right. The <laughs> Jennifer has spoken. The Chicago local has spoken. So, <laughs> so Dr. Charles is kind of just, eaves- not eavesdropping, but he sees Will outside the hospital, yeah. and he's just like kind of giving him an eye. Like, I know you guys are together. And Will's just like, no, no, like we're just friends. It's cool. We're just friends who happen to have sex every once in a while, you know, Yeah, whatever. So just friends in air quotes. Yeah. Just friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so Dr. Charles is just like, look, listen, I get it. Or no, I'm sorry. Will said it. He's like, yeah, like romantic relationships are discouraged during the first year of recovery. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. There's the fact we know moving on. So with Will and Hannah, um, I was about to ask you something. Oh, okay. I know what I was about to ask you. Uh, so, okay. Here's my theory that I've, you know, I've, I've kind of put out there a couple times. I don't think Will actually cares about Hannah. What do you think? I don't think he does. He just wants to be the savior in that situation. And I think that is something that runs deep in the Halstead brothers gene. Yeah. And, um, you know, not to bring Jay into this and, (laughs) but I think that is definitely something that was instilled in them when they were younger is to be the savior for not just everybody, but for women in general, which is a good character trait to have, but I think they take it too far sometimes. Why do you think women in general? Probably because their mom, you know, they couldn't save her. So, you know, they're just like, we couldn't save our mom. So let's save any other woman that we come into contact with, whether it's from drug overdoses, from hitmen, anything like that. Ooh, so it's like a subconscious thing. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that theory. 
Ooh. So yeah, like dun dun dun. I'm like yeah. that through now. So uh so Will's patient, her name's Evelyn. She's in kidney failure. And you know, everything's kind of running along at first. And so her husband comes in and he's like, okay, you know, she doesn't want dialysis, but then she's just like, no, I do. Which is just like the season one vibes. I'm just like, this, this hurts yeah. me. Why are we doing this again? Yeah. Just, no, no. So turns out this, this whole thing about no dialysis, it's in her advanced directive. She also has Alzheimer's. Her husband's her proxy. It just, it's like a perfect storm of like Will's worst nightmare. Just pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Like Will's nightmares are just kind of like a recurring cycle of like patients with, you know, contradictory directions and, oh man, I don't know. When, the, when she came in and we found out about that, I was like, okay, I was like, okay, like, let's not jump to conclusions. It's season five. He has grown. Like, yeah. you know, things are going to like proceed differently this time. It didn't. No. I thought for sure it might, but I was mistaken. So Dr. Charles does a consult and he tells Will that he doesn't have decisional capacity. And for Will, it just goes in one ear and out the other, just like always with Will. Also, he was being so rude to Dr. Charles throughout this whole episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like just being a total smart ass. And Dr. Charles is just like, yeah, okay, sure. I don't know anything based off my 30 years of experience. What the hell, Will? What the hell? So. Will threatens to bring in the ethics committee because take a drink, you know, ethics committee. Is it right. really an episode of Chicago Med if the ethics committee is not involved? No. 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 They deserve to be paid overtime and hazard pay. And yeah. <laughs> everything. They're just on call at this point. They really are. Yeah, they really are. These poor people. I just, yeah. Brenda's always wondered. She's like, so are they just like a group of doctors that just get called together when need be or like what? I'm like, I I don't know. There's, I don't know. It's probably a mix of doctors and lawyers because they got to have legality. So I like, like, I wonder if they, like, they should have like a separate button on the wall. There's like an emergency button and then like a Will Mm -hmm. Halstead button. That's just like, yeah, like, and not even surrounded by glass because they would just hit it all the same, like all the time. It would just be like, oh "Oh, shit, Will's doing something dumb again. Uh, yeah so evelyn starts crashing and molly is the daughter and she just begs will to intubate her and so evelyn gives a verbal response to will and so will goes ahead and goes on with it but the husband is just like what the fuck are you doing along with all of us though we're all just like will no (laughs) yep he's i just He's such a pain in the ass, but at the same time, I just want to jump through the screen and like protect him at all costs. And I can't reconcile it. It's every week. Why do you think that is? He's a pain in the butt, but he's so like, gosh darn lovable and cute that it's like, how can you not love him? I know. I know. I'm conflicted here. I know. You just want to punch him, but at the same time, you want to be like, Goodwin, don't don't yell at him. He's a precious being. But also reprimand him. Finally. Finally. That was... I think that was my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I about died. I diving into him. Oh, yeah. Finally. Finally. I feel like this is the first time it's ever happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, like, her line, she was like, this is deja vu. It's like, have you lit into him before and we just haven't seen it? I would hope that's not the case because I kind of wanted to be there and, like, sit back and watch the fireworks. Yes. Grab the popcorn. 
Oh yeah, for sure. That like I laughed when she said that. She was like, "This is like deja vu." And then the second line when she was just like, "Getting sued didn't teach you why you don't ignore an advanced directive," and I was like, "Who is this Goodwin? Who is this new version? I like her." I feel like she was on a whole other level last night. She was, was. just like putting people in their place. Just kind of, she wasn't here for anybody's shit. No, it's good. And and I liked it. I liked it too. I liked it too. And then as she's leaving, she gets one last dig in and she's like, excuse me while I attempt to clean up your mess. Yes, queen. Yeah. Thank you. Where has this been for the past like five seasons? I know. Can we get it more often? I know. I know. So Evelyn ends up going home and getting help from hospice. And at the end of the episode, Hannah and Will are having dinner and they end up going back up to her place because Will does not listen ever. Ever. Could we reach as far to say that he does not have self-control? Ooh, ooh, that's a really good question. Does he not? Like, he doesn't know when to draw the line. Yes, I think you, you know, can make he, that argument. He tells Dr. Charles what Dr. Charles wants to hear, that he's going to draw the line and not go anywhere. But then Will is like a five-year-old that doesn't know when to stop when a parent's telling them no. Mm-hmm. So Will is like, I'm just going to go and do my thing. No one has to know. Yeah, I actually think you could make that argument, even going so far back as last season with the shady dude, the criminal guy, and, and the gun in the car. Yeah. I think you could make that argument. That's an interesting he does, one. Too. He doesn't know when to, when to end things. No, he really doesn't. I know. And, and I mean, as I mentioned this last week on the pod too, I always come back to the interview that we did with Nick Gelfis where Nick just, he, you know, he noted, he's like, Will's got a big heart. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I keep, I, I always hear that in my head every time I'm about to rip into Will for something. And I'm just like, okay, but there's gotta be, and I mean, and we always say there's gotta be some sort of line, but there really isn't. We've seen him cross it so many times into what we think is the point of no return. And he comes back every time. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I'm, I'm scared for when that point of no return is going to happen because, I mean, it has to happen at some point. Um, what do you think is the breaking point here? Do you think Hannah's going to die? It kind of seems like that, but then again, she seems like she's clean, but we've also seen her kind of, you know, fall back into her, her old pattern. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm in it for the ride at this point. Yeah, and then it begs the question that if she does die, what's going to happen? And, or how is Will going to take it? Is he going to tailspin just like Jay does? Or, yeah. you know, is he going to handle it differently? Yeah. Where, where will he go after that, you know? Yeah, and I, I could definitely see a tailspin after that because obviously he's the, – the whole reason that he's got this relationship with Hannah is because he is hellbent on saving her. And so <laughs> – for him to be that determined and go through and then get nothing to show for it, I think he would take that really hard. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, he's invested a lot into her. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would think he would, he obviously feels some type of way for her, whether it's romantic or not. Yeah, and I, I even suggested last week to Brian, I was like, maybe they're both just lonely and like they're, they, that's why they're together. It's just cause they're lonely. I don't know if, I don't think they have feelings for each other. If there's feelings in any way, shape or form, I think it's Hannah towards Will. Yeah. But we'll see. I don't know. Yep. So we also had Natalie and Crockett this episode and like, 
I want to like Crockett. I really do. I like, I give him the benefit of the doubt all the time. And then he goes and pulls shit like this. And I'm just like, yeah, it's, I want to like him, but the more that we see him, the more he reminds me of Connor with the God complex and the ego and just, I'm better than everyone else. How did you feel about Connor though? I liked Connor. Okay. Yeah. Most days. Most days. Yeah. Yeah. He had his episodes for sure. Yeah. But he wasn't, unless I don't remember it, he wasn't the way that he was with like April and Natalie that like Marcellus, you know, like if Marcel wasn't the way that he is with women, I think I could tolerate him a little bit more, but the way that he is with women, it makes me just want to rip my hair out. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I will say this, that it was nice to see Natalie not working with kids and not fighting CPS for t- like a turn. Yeah. Just getting a little break there. That was nice. Um, but Natalie's patient, his name is Nick and he has four months to live with late stage colorectal cancer due to a condition called FAP. Um, Okay, that one I can pronounce. Brenna put it in, in parentheses, but I think the next part I can't pronounce. But yeah, so it's called familial adenomatous polyposis. I got that so wrong. Uh, Jeff, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but Natalie works on this guy and Crockett overhears and basically steps in to do the consult with Nick because Natalie's like, okay, well, let's see what our options are. Maybe we'll get a surgical consult. And she just walks away. And then Crockett's just like, I could do it. All right. Okay. Whatever. Uh, so Crockett over here is steps in and does the consult and he proposes to do, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. Um, I think the acronym is a TTME. It's, it's a risky surgery basically is what it is. Um, and he just kind of comes in like completely bypasses Natalie. Oh yeah. No. So nonchalant about it too. Oh yeah. Which like, that's not, the better way to do that would have been to probably like consult Natalie first. Right. Well, I'm like, you got to think about it from the patient side too. Like they never even knew that he was like also at med, you know, mm-hmm. like if I was in the hospital room and some random doctor came in that I never talked to, I'd be like, who are you? You want to propose doing a life risk, like a potentially fatal surgery. Yeah. And I don't even know you like what? <laughs> Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, that too, I'd probably be like, who the hell are you? But the fact that he completely bypassed Natalie is just, it's just so like, it just makes you want to face him and be like, really, really? Mm-hmm. Like all you had to do was make this a collaborative effort and just go to her beforehand, even just have the decency to go to her beforehand and not even yeah. just like bypass her and go straight to the patient. It's ridiculous. And so uh, Natalie points out, she's like, listen, like I've seen a lot of surgeons do this. Nobody has presented this option because again, it's risky. It's very, very dangerous. And she's like, yeah, nobody's ever presented this option. And like the ego on this guy, I swear he just goes, yeah, because most of them are gutless. And so Natalie responds, I can't remember what she says, but then he just goes, I know what I'm out of my depth. And like that wink. Dude. Yeah. Okay, I will say this though. I'm a little torn. I'm like, okay, he did the wink and I was like, do I stand or do I like hate tweet? What do I do right now? Because like, that was kind of cute. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, and I hate to compare Marcel to Connor because, you know, just 
apples and oranges. They're two different people, yeah. two different actors. It's not, a, it's not fair to compare, but also Connor had an ego, but he wasn't as flashy with it as Crockett is. Yeah. Yeah. Connor had an ego more so when like someone stepped in and told them like, you're not going to do this. He was very more, he was more reserved with his ego than like Crockett is. Or like, maybe it's that I think Connor had confidence and I think Crockett has ego. Yeah. And Connor's confidence often got misconstrued. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if like Crockett is like compensating for something, you know, like if he lacks confidence, maybe that's where the ego comes out in. Maybe. I mean, and, and it's, it's certainly possible though. Cause you, I mean, we see at the end of how this, how this shakes out that he's pretty hard on himself. He, yeah. he doesn't take losses lightly. No. Yeah. He usually takes them pretty hard and we keep getting so close to the story about the child and so close and we never get it. So I don't know, but it turns out Marcel wrote a paper on the procedure at the place that helped pioneer it. All right. Okay. So we're getting into like confidence territory. Okay. So Natalie just says, she's like, it makes you biased and motivated by professional advancement. And Marcel says, I answer to my patients, not you. Um, like, I, okay, maybe the double standard kicks in here. Cause I, if, if the roles are reversed, if Natalie says that to Crockett, knowing me, I'm like, good. She stood her ground. She placed a boundary there and she said, back the fuck up. But with Crockett, I'm just like, that's just so not nice. Like, I am, maybe it's a little double standard showing. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from on that. Because if she was to say that to him, I wonder if he would then go to Goodwin and kind of pull rank on her. Because what is his title again? Is it technically surgeon? I mean, he wears different color scrubs. So I'm assuming he's in a different department or he is a surgeon. I don't think I've ever thought about that. Need to. Is he a fellow? He might be a fellow. He might be. I know he wears the black scrubs like Connor does, Connor did. Okay. And he's doing a lot of the surgery. So I'm thinking he is like in like he's higher rank than Natalie. So I feel like if she was to say that to him, maybe he would pull rank on her mm-hmm. and go higher up on the ladder mm-hmm. on the chain of command, but I don't know. I mean when, when he said that to her, I recoiled and I was like, oh, you're going to talk to her like that. But yet you still want to wink at her and flirt. Like, no, you can't, you can't play this game. You can't play it like that. No, not at all. He's very smug and just like, and the, the more he does things like this or he does like the wink or, you know, he says egotistical things like this. It, it's like what I'm about to say is probably going to piss off the Crockett stands. But I mean, sorry, I, I like him, though. It's really hard to reconcile, but it, it's it's starting to come across as sleazy. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know. I mean, this wasn't sleazy. You know, the moment during Maggie's wedding when he was like, what gave you that idea? I'm like, stop. It's not sexy anymore. Stop it. And then the way that she walked away with like the eye roll mm-hmm. was like, okay, I see you girl. I see yeah. you. Yeah. I think this might be a situation where it, like almost, almost like wicked where he comes off egotistical and like sleazy and terrible, but he's probably actually like a really good guy underneath. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he's just misunderstood. I'm, I'm kind of hoping though. I really want to like him. Yeah. 
And we've I know seen- I wouldn't like him because I've seen Dominic Reigns in person mm-hmm. and he's just like a big ray of sunshine. Yeah. Like I like Dominic, but I don't, I'm not like totally standing Crockett Marcel yet. Where did you see him? I saw him at the paddle battle. He was adorable. Oh, nice. Did you get a picture with him? No, but um, I was talking to some friends and he like walked by us and when he was leaving, like he wanted to talk to us and take pictures and stuff and couldn't. So. Oh, I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah. He was fun to interview. He was a really good interview. So I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's here. Um, And I, it seems like a challenge to get to know Marcel, but it's a challenge I'm willing to like undertake. It's not something where I'm just like, I'm so done with you. I'm just like, no, like I'm listening. Keep going. So it's interesting. I don't know, but the, the surgery is a success actually. Um, and so they're all in the room together and, you know, Marcel's there, the patients are there and they want to name the baby after him, which like, that's really sweet. Um, but not the name Crockett. No, which I thought was so cute. And he's like, do you have a middle name? That's like, not so, you know, bold. And I was about to be like, yes, yes. Tell me your middle name. But then Nick coded. So, (laughs) you know, um, it was just, it was too early on in the episode to have a happy ending, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. So Nick codes. And so, uh, Jennifer, did you put this stuff in the outline here? Yes, I did. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the, I noticed more of the looks that the wife was giving him, mm-hmm. like the entire time that Marcel was in there mm-hmm. before the surgery, everything like that. So I noticed she came off kind of uneasy and unsure at first. And so I noticed her looks, um, when like Natalie came in and was kind of pissed off at Marcel, but then like after when Nick coded and Marcel went to go, um, announce the time of the death, she looked so angry. And then like, I thought she was going to unleash on Marcel, not even go over to Nick because, you know, Marcel was the one to, to propose the surgery. So I just really felt for the wife there because I mean, she's pregnant and we found out that there's a 50% chance that that could, what Nick had could be transferred onto the baby, mm-hmm. but it was just so sad. But yeah. I have this idea, like this question of where does he go after this? You know, he barged in on the patient, convinced them to do the surgery, told them it was pretty much going to work. And it did until the patient was gone. I mean, do you think he's going to go spiral. Um, I mean, we saw that he kind of admitted that he was wrong to Natalie, but I mean, he jeopardized the life of a man who was about to be the father and lost him. So like, you know, that's got to affect him. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen him, this is not the first loss he's had like this, if I remember correctly. Am I right? I think he, he had another loss that was similar to this a couple episodes ago. I think so. Yeah. And so I don't think we know enough about him yet to see how this is going to impact him. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think once we reveal more about his character, then we can be like, Oh, that was a bad loss. Like, how's that? how's he going to take that? But yeah. in the meantime, I, if we don't know anything about him, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm sorry. You yeah. lost your patient. But yeah. Know. So Marcel does not take these losses lightly as we've seen we've seen this before and mm-hmm. so in the doctor's lounge natalie kind of just comforts him and like offered some nice words and she just says she's like you know sometimes in the ed we get tunnel vision all we can see is the patient in front of us but nick could see past that beyond his own benefit and i think you did too 
So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, she was almost kind of, I mean, no, she was giving him props for, for his idea because, I mean, it was, I think Natalie was more focused on, you know, making him comfortable and getting him through the next four months. Whereas Crockett was like, no, wait, let like, you've got a life beyond this. Let's think about that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. But uh, yeah, they're having a moment and like Crockett was making eyes at her. Was he not? He did totally I, was. Okay. Did I imagine that? He was making eyes at her. Yeah. Okay. I, I could, and for a minute, I thought for sure he was going to say, do you want to go out? and grab a drink or something. I for thought he sure was going to go in for the kiss. He had that yeah. look. Yeah. He had that look on his face. Um, but that doesn't happen because there's some random girl that like pops in and is like ready to go. Who is that? Yeah. And I mean, are they, is it just a one-time thing? Like who knows? I need more information here. I was really hoping that like that was going to be a big revelation. We were all going to be like, he's married. Yeah. But, oh man, could you imagine that? And then the whole April and Marcel. So, oh, that would that would be another instance of like, let's just sit back and pop the popcorn and just watch the fireworks. Yeah, if that happened, I would I would consider thinking that Matt is like a soap opera because I'm like, what what is going on now? I know, I know, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Now, Natalie's face after he left, was it just like, I, I don't really remember here. Was she, was she making eyes back? Like, what was, what was her face? Um, I think he was more so looking at her. Mm-hmm. And I think the camera was more so focused on him. Okay. Because after he left, she just kind of looked, like, disappointed. And, like, a little bit of shock, maybe? I don't know. I was just like, okay. All right. Yeah, like, where's this going? Yeah, because we saw the whole, you know, like, she was, she ran up and hugged him after he got out of the house with the guy that kidnapped them. But, I mean, that's really the only Mansell stuff that we've really seen. Yeah, same. And I, that was the one moment of theirs that I liked. Like, when, you know, like, she, he ran out and she hugged him. And then, like, you know, they were just kind of standing there together. I was like, all right, like, this, I, they're coworkers. Like they just went through something horrible. They're looking out for each other. Yeah. Since then, I'm just like, mm-hmm. especially after the April stuff, I'm like, dude, Natalie just, Natalie has poor taste in men aside from Will. Yeah. Here I go again. I'm just like, Will, you drive me nuts, but also like, he's great. Yeah. I just, huge. I don't know. So we'll see. I don't, I, we'll see. So I don't know. The Mansell fields for me are still out. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about them. So we'll see. Is Bryna captaining the Mansell ship all by herself? I mean, I'm sure there's listeners that ship Mansell. And hey, cool. Yeah. That's great. I mean. Ship whoever you want. Ship whoever the hell you want. Yeah. It's cool. Yep. Totally cool. But yes, I mean, okay. I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to sit back and wait. I'm just going to be like, all right, show me what you got. Like Rick and Morty style. Show me what you got. Yeah. Um, Do you watch Rick and Morty? No. Okay, this this usually happens multiple times an episode. I make a reference, and Bryna's just like, "Huh." Eh. Um, do you know the dramatic chipmunk gift? Because Bryna did not. The dramatic chipmunk gift? I don't oh think God. so. You youngins kills me. Um, there was a moment in last week's episode when Choi turned around and just gave this eye, gave Crockett this eye, and he was just like, "And it looked like the dramatic chipmunk." I can't believe you don't know the dramatic chipmunk gift. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. 
Okay. So we also had April and Ethan because I mean, hello, a lot of stuff went down with them. So Jennifer, do you want to take us through this? Yes. Okay. So we see kind of when the episode opens, you know, Maggie's talking to April about how things are and April's pretty much like, I don't know, Ethan doesn't really want to talk about it and she's trying to get him to talk about it. Um, but so we kind of see they just kind of go their separate ways for now. April does make longing eyes at Ethan. And for a minute, I was like, tell him how you feel. Do you want to keep going with that, with sex toy or not? And so oh, then how do you, how, okay, where, where do you stand on sex toy? Because they, to me, they've got horrible communication skills and communication issues. Oh yeah, they do. I'm not a huge fan of them because of that, because mm -hmm. of the communication skills. Um, I mean, I think that when they're good, they're good. We've seen, you know, a few cute moments of them, but I'm just not like a huge sex toy Chexton shipper. But that's partly because Ethan Choi just like bugs me to no end. It's kind of maddening with him, isn't it? Because sometimes he can be like, he's, he's such a good doctor. And sometimes he has really good episodes. But then he has these episodes where I'm like, what just came out of your mouth? Yeah. Like some it. of the lines from last night, I was like, whoa, you mm -hmm. need to, you need to stop. Yeah. Because it was just, I mean, he, he like insinuated a few things to his patient. And I was just like, oh man, this is, even April was just kind of shocked and just like tight lipped of, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let you dig that hole. Mm -hmm. right. um, but we see sex toy working together on joy. And at first I like had to rewind it because it, you know, I was like, we usually see them come in with their patients. Mm -hmm. We didn't see that. So I was kind of, you know, like, where's this, where's this patient coming from? But she has a seizure essentially from high levels of ammonia in her blood from a urea cycle disorder. Only at um, Chicago med does a sprained ankle turn into a seizure. Right. Only a Chicago med. Um, we see Ethan pushing like enzyme supplements hard and Joy was getting a little annoyed with him. You know, he was saying, you got to cut the protein out. You got to like, you know, fix your diet. And she said, I am, I have been everything like that. And um, we see April. Not what? great. Yeah. He was not great about that. It just, yeah. Like, you know how April thinks he's projecting he just, he picked the, like the worst time and the worst patient to project on. Yeah. The worst is, yeah. The, I mean, the whole thing, she's got an enzyme issue, of course, and she's got to take supplements the rest of her life and she cannot have any protein at all. And he just keeps pushing it to the point where she's just like, all right, listen, like I, I get what you're getting at. You think I have no self-control because I'm fat. It just the worst timing, the worst patient to be projecting your shit onto. But even... Yeah, he just kept prying. I, I wanted to reach through my screen and just like shake him and be like, Ethan, stop. Because she's telling you everything that you want to hear. She's <laughs> telling you that she's changed her diet. She's telling you, you know, that she's taking care of herself and you're not listening. No. So then um, it turns out that her fiance Max made her sick by adding protein to her diet and putting it in her green smoothies because he was afraid he was, she was going to leave him if she kept losing weight and he didn't that was just so sad to see yeah because you know i mean i'm sure that you know there are instances like that but you know the fact that he was like affecting his fiance like that 
so that, you know, she would stay with him. Oh, I just, I had no words. Yeah, that was something because I don't know if maybe my brain was turned off while I was watching it, but, you know, as Ethan was just like, that's criminal. And he was just like, no, like, I was really scared. I didn't mean to hurt her. I was just kind of like, okay, he, he made a mistake. But I mean, my legal brain was like, well, what could, what are the charges here? But I guess it could be battery. Um, she didn't consent to having protein in her smoothie, but yeah. I mean, would it be endangerment? It could maybe it's not attempted murder because he wasn't specifically trying to kill her. Right. I'm just my nerd brain does these things, but yeah, I mean, that just just a, a totally unfortunate set of circumstances all around. Yeah. I mean, he was acting from a place of fear and insecurity, so I give him that. But at the same time, I mean, he had to have known that at some point it was going to affect her. Yeah, I mean, but I, he, he nobody could have ever thought it was going to get that bad. Right, mm-hmm. right. So then we finish up with Max and Joy. Uh, she takes him back. She's, you know, not going to press charges. They're working things through, and they essentially get a happy ending to what we know. Um, so then April uses this to try and get through to Ethan and they basically have it out in the ED bay, like in a room. And, um, April says, I want to know what you're feeling. And then Ethan, uh, comes back in a pretty harsh tone saying the day that I found out when I couldn't have children. Yeah. So yeah, April started it. April was like that day that I found out I couldn't have children and Ethan cuts her off. And I like, yeah, okay, maybe it was harsh, but also he kind of made perfect sense. Yeah. 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 Cause uh, she, she kept telling him, she's like, it means nothing. It means nothing. And I'm like, no, but, but, but I'm glad Ethan flat out asked her, like, are you in love with him? Oh yeah, for sure. And then when he, when, you know, she came back and said, it means nothing. I mean, he called her on it and was like, then why are we still talking about this? I mean, mm-hmm. I had that same question. Why are we still going back and forth about this if April and Marcel are not going to go anywhere? Well, no, I can tell you why we're still talking about this is because we don't talk about things when they happen, Ethan and April. That's true. Yeah. We bottle our feelings and then they explode all over the place 10 episodes later. Yep. These two. They need to take a communication class or something. Well, yeah, that I just think they need to take a break from each other. Yeah. It's just not healthy. April, we've already seen that April cannot advocate for herself. She, for some reason, just insists on not, not necessarily not telling the truth, but she doesn't speak up in situations where she needs to. Like she doesn't, there are, situ- there are a lot of situations where she should use her voice and doesn't. And mm-hmm. then Ethan just kind of, like, knows that problems are happening and just kind of ignores them. Even though Until he- they really get under his skin. Yeah. And even though, like, he, you know, he told Goodwin last week, he was just like, I, I, you know, we're trying to have a baby. I didn't see that there were problems. I think he puts the blinders up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I would... Uh, I don't know if a break, maybe a break from each other would do it. I don't know. A break both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. It's nice to not see Natalie. It's nice to see Natalie and Will not working together. 
Yeah. And I wish that we could have that for April and Ethan. Yes. I mean, there's enough nurses, you know, why does April need to keep working with Ethan? Right. Yeah. Why does it have to? And that, that was, that's probably a thing that, you know, they probably should have addressed. Like they probably shouldn't have worked together this week. Do you watch station 19? I did the first season, but no, not anymore. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, um, there was an altercation between two characters, Jack and Rigo. And the next episode they were working together and something happened and Rigo got hurt. And Maya, who's like the, the, the lieutenant in charge, she basically, somebody told her, I think it might've been Andy actually. She was like, they should not have been working together. And it's kind of, it's kind of similar here. Like they should not be working together, especially when Goodwin knows what she knows, that she knows there was a dust up and you know, he shoved Crockett. I really wish he would have punched him, but yeah. Yeah. I know. I would think, I would think that Goodwin, I mean, maybe it's more so like, you know, just whoever, whenever a case comes in and whoever's standing right there takes them. But I would think that Goodwin and Maggie would kind of be like, okay, you two are together personally. So we're not going to have you guys work together. But again, that makes for good TV. So it does. Yeah. And also April was the charge nurse last night. She was the Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. Come to think of it. So I don't know what these two are doing, but they need to pull it together. Yep. So Um, Goodwin also had a little bit going on which was cool. We finally met her kid or one of her kids. Yes. Finally. So, um, did, so I've seen the question around people are like, did we know that she has multiple kids? I did. Did you? I mean, I knew that she had a kid. I didn't know that she had multiples. I mean, I figured she had like maybe two, but I didn't realize like three and then we got their names too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. No, she, cause I remember when Gwen had locked her baby in the car by accident and Goodwin was just kind of telling her what was going on. I think she mentioned their names then too. She might've. Maybe. I don't, I don't completely remember that. Oh, so, um, Jennifer, will you take us through Goodwin? Yes. So her son's in town. He's um, got an interview at a company in Chicago. Um, and we kind of see him come and meet her at work. And so she, uh, her son kind of talks about, um, Bert and is like, you know, is what dad's been telling me true. Um, but first we see Bert stop by and tell Sharon that he sold Michael. They've been seeing each other. Um, and it's important here to note that they go out once a week for a drink, like, that to me does not mean that they're dating. No, they're it's definitely not. No, Bert yeah. just, I, Bert just kind of tried to make things seem that they were like rosy and wonderful, mm-hmm. but also like, um, I'm glad to hear they're going out once a week for a drink. Yeah. But then Sharon kind of goes off on him in a more light tone than she did with Will. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of like, we're not dating. You misread that. Mm-hmm. She kind of said that to Michael too. So Michael wasn't, happy about the possibility of this but Sharon reassures him that they aren't dating and um we kind of see towards the end of the episode they go to a Chicago steakhouse um and Sharon comes clean to Michael about the divorce details and I kind of drew the parallel that she realized that she hadn't told them everything about the divorce Mm -hmm. um once she saw the whole Evelyn and Elliot thing with Molly you know like Molly's parents didn't tell her everything about, you know, what Evelyn was going through. Yeah. So I kind of saw that, that parallel. Um, but then, you know, I liked her line here that said, it's time for this family to start healing. You need your father and your father needs you. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was definitely a good point. This Chicago steakhouse that they went to, it was mentioned in fire too. What was that place? Yeah. Um, started with it's that. Swift and Sons. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's a real location, but the Wolf Entertainment Twitter, man, they just come through on like all these behind the scenes. Content. Isn't it the best? Yes. Um, they had tweeted out, they may not all be visible, but we had over a hundred extras at Swift and Sons for this dinner. Love that. I love the behind the scenes tidbits. Yes. Like it's the tiniest of details too. And I'm just like, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Marina had a cool one um, during PD that we'll talk about, but I love knowing that kind of stuff. So yeah, yes. very interesting. So we'll see. So we also had Maggie and Ben. We have a lot of stuff happening in the, the ED this week, but um, yeah, Med was a little nuts. Med was a little nuts. I think at one point I texted everybody. I was like, this is a circus. Like what is happening tonight? It really was just one of those episodes where it ends and you're just like, Oh my God, I'm so tired from all these shenanigans. Like, <laughs> I was like, wait, we have two more hours of TV to watch. Okay. So Maggie and Ben. Ben comes into the ED with a student of his. And again, prior to this episode, did we even know that he was a teacher? I think it was mentioned once. See, and I, when I heard he was a teacher, I imagined he was like a high school teacher too, not even like an elementary teacher. Right. Yeah. 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 And so comes in with a student, this kid, Augie, and he has cirrhosis from basically autoimmune chronic hepatitis. This kid is so cute. I mean, most of the kids they get on this show are adorable. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he's super cute. Um, best thing, though, of this whole thing is when Ben introduces Augie to Maggie and he goes, oh, Augie, this is my wife, Miss Lockwood. Ben said wife. Like, there it is. Just lock it down. Ben said wife. Wife has been spoken. We are done. Yeah. <laughs> we can all go home now. The episode is over. <laughs> but yeah, Ben hasn't been able to reach this kid's foster, foster mom, but... I mean, the domestic Maggie and Ben is just the best, like the best. It really was. Maggie's calling Ben, babe, Ben's saying my wife. These two were just like, I feel like they got married and became even more perfect than they already were. Oh yeah. They were definitely the cuteness that we needed in this episode. And I hope they always stay at that level of cute. Yes. Just, they're perfect. They're perfect. And so... These two are about to go on their honeymoon too. So they've got their suitcases. They're talking about going to the beach and just like sitting on the sand. And I'm just all about this. I'm like, these two deserve the effing world. World. Yes. yes. And they're talking about a couple's massage on the beach. Just again, these two deserve everything. So they, fa- they finally tracked down Augie's foster, foster mom, but they, she basically, she tries her best, but it's really hard. And they have this really sad moment where, you know, they, they want to report the foster mom for neglect that, you know, all of this stuff, but she realizes she's like, no, it's too hard. I try, but I can't do it. And just the fact that like, she's the foster mom and she's like, I can't do this. I it's just, ah, uh, it's heartbreaking. Cause I mean, this is a kid, you know? Right. But I'm also glad that she kind of came to that realization Yeah, and you know, like she doesn't want to put him any, in any more danger, mm-hmm. but again, he's a sick kid. So where are you going to, where are you going to put him? Like, you're just going to give him back to the system and just say, here, I don't want him anymore. Like that's heartbreaking. And yeah. Augie definitely could feel that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that part when he's just like, nobody wants a sick kid. Ugh. Cue the feels. Break my heart. God. I mean, and what, what got me even more was just Maggie's look to Augie. And then I think she like looked over to Ben too. I was like, Oh my God, if they don't adopt this kid, like where are we going here? 
Right, right. And I, I'm, yeah, I mean, and I, I'm hoping that's where we're heading. Is it too obvious? Is that too obvious? I hope, I hope that, you know, they would at least give us that. Would be nice. Oh my God, what a change too for Maggie to go from, you know, like metastatic breast cancer to a husband and a child just like that. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So, yeah. But I mean, it would be awesome if they did take him in because, you know, she could take him to med, Mm -hmm. get his procedures done and Mm -hmm. yeah, it'd be all cute. It would, yeah, it would be perfect. It would be perfect. And so as they're walking out with their suitcases, both of them are just kind of giving each other a look and they just decide to go back inside and be with Aki because they're perfect. They're yeah. perfect. Um, also, we did see Lanik in this moment. Hey, Nate, front of the pod. Hi. Um, yeah, I get excited now every time I see Lanik and everybody's like, oh, Lanik. And I'm like, hey, Nate, what's up? <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff. So, any other notes about med? I don't think so. I mean, oh, I did see that Wolf Entertainment tweeted out last night that Med's episode was directed by SJ Main Munoz, who (laughs) was a part of the NBC's Female Forward program. She shadowed the Med directors on two episodes and then took the lead on her own. So, I mean, this this was a solid episode for a first-time director. Solid. Yes. She handled that circus well. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that, that program is fantastic. So, yeah, that's good stuff. So yeah, they, they noted that it was her first director credit on TV. So that's, that's really cool to have a dick old show, you know. Kind yes, of queen. Yes, queen. Yeah. We stand. Yeah. Love it. So moving into fire. This was an interesting episode too. There was good. There, were, there was like a really good amount of comedy and then the drama wasn't so bad. So it was, it was good. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty tame episode until we got to the end. Before until we, we talked about oh that. my god, yes, okay, oh man, oh, and, and now I'm like raring to go, I'm like, let's get to the end. Okay, so let's start off with Severide and Seeger, because Seeger is back, whatever. So Fire gets called, like all of 51, Fire, like, okay, all of 51 gets called to a fire at a local motel. And so the janitor gets in their way immediately, we're just like, well, this guy's weird. But Cruz and Severide find a dead body in the bathtub. So that's like a new one, a drowning during a fire. Yeah. That's a new one. Yep. Yeah. So they're all just kind of like, what the hell is that? That was kind of weird, but moving on. A detective from Milwaukee PD shows up to 51. I'm going to guess that this is a spinoff happening in like 2025. But... A detective from the Milwaukee PD shows up. Apparently, this dead victim, he was a witness to a homicide that he's investigating. And so he was supposed to meet the victim at the motel to give the detective information on the homicide, but then the motel caught fire, and now the victim's dead. So the best point in all of this is when he's just like, yeah, so if you were to find out that this is an arson, like that would be fantastic. And you, like, you could just practically see Severide's ears perk up and just be like, did somebody say arson? Like, that means I go to F- OFI. Yeah. Like, Ooh, <laughs> I get to play detective, which we all love. Uh, what's better, Jennifer, Severide with kids or Severide investigating arson? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> Severide, Severide all around. I mean, come on. I know. Just yeah, not all love Severide. Yeah. Um, also, the Severide eyes in this episode, like there wasn't even one scene. The whole damn episode was Severide eyes. Yeah, it was. Um, it was great. They're just so beautiful. Oh, it's very. Yes. They're just. So I mean, gorgeous. how can you, like? 
how can you not be the cameraman and not want to focus in on those? I mean, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Just can't help it. Just every ounce of severed eyes in this episode. I was just like, hmm. they were wonderful. Yeah. So, of course, OFI is now looking into it, and Severide is just like, of course, Severide wants in. I mean, it's Severide. So, Why wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, he and Seeker go back to the motel to look things over. And, you know, they, you know, they're, they're looking at the crime scene, whatever. Severide's doing his thing where he's just like, look at this pile of ashes. I've deduced this chemical, that chemical, and like, you know, the secret of the universe, and just Severide, doing Severide things. And so Seeger gets this report back and they found parasitic acid in somewhere in the ashes of this crime scene. So parasitic acid is commonly used in cleaning supplies. Again, you learn something new every episode, right? Did not know that. Commonly used in cleaning supplies. And so when this is happening and they're looking at the report, I mean, Severide has made it very clear, not only to Stella, but to all of us that, you know, Seeger's not a threat. But I don't know how you feel about this. I still don't trust her. And I still, it means nothing to me when Severide's just like, she's harmless. I'm like, uh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really feel a certain way about her, but I can see where he's saying she's not harmless, but Stella sees it. I mean, it's different when a guy says they're not harmless. Like, okay. They might not be in their eyes, but like when you're another woman, she's coming after your man. Like, no, he, she is harmless or she is, you know, she's got another agenda. Right. Even with Renee, we saw this when she came back the second time. Did Kelly even tell Stella about that kiss, by the way? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I don't know. But yeah, the whole point of this to say is that, you know, when, well, no, I think Seeger was sitting first or maybe Seeger, no, Severide was sitting down and then Seeger sat down next to him. I'm like, girl, could you sit any closer to him? Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame Can we, like, you. maintain a six foot different, six feet distance? Yeah. Um, I'm no. going to need you to socially distance yourself from Kelly Severide, yep. like, right now. <laughs> that needs to go on a t-shirt. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, socially distance yourself from him. Kay, thanks. <laughs> bye. <laughs> yep. But, um, they get the report, they see what's going on, and they go back to the motel. Now, you know the only thing that's better than Severide Eyes, Jennifer? What? Nighttime Severide Eyes. Oh, yeah. They were so gorgeous. Um, oh, yeah, but, you know, semantics here. I'm, like, too busy just kind of losing myself in his eyes, just like, wow, they look so amazing at night. Um, meanwhile, somebody broke into the crime scene, and the janitor is standing behind Kelly with a hammer. Just. And then it just cut to commercial. I mean, it, my heart dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it turns out that he just was like, who the hell are you? Oh my God. I didn't know it was you. And the janitors just were not worried about him. So later on, Severide goes over the report with Bowden and Bowden tells us that parasitic acid is also used to sterilize medical equipment. So they basically think that one of the victim's coworkers is involved because this whole thing had to do with some sort of medical manufacturing something or other, right? Yeah. Okay. So Severide and Seeger and Ruzik. Hey, Adam. Hey. They show up I to the did not see his name show up on the bottom credits. I yeah. did not. I must have missed that. Yeah. And I'm such a, any sort of like crossover, when somebody pops up even for a scene, I'm just like, sup. Hey, I see yeah. you. So they go to the medical supply company and they find their guy. This guy's name is Ray Averett. But the best part of this whole thing is that Sever Ruzik rides again. 
only three episodes after that PD Fire crossover, too. There's just like, something about this duo that is just wonderful. I need more of that duo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Yes. So the guy runs and Kelly and Ruzik chase him. Now, note how I put Kelly first there because Kelly's like leading the charge. Just like put this man in intelligence now, okay? Just forget OFI. He needs to join Voight in intelligence. Like give him a day in intelligence and he would prove himself. He would, I mean, he'd probably just be meritoriously like promoted. Yeah. I think Jay and Kevin and Adam would just be standing there watching him like, shit yeah we're in trouble like this dude comes in for one day and he's already like showing us up i'm also gonna guess that kelly knows how to fire a gun because kelly yeah i would think that he would yeah i'm just gonna guess that but also he's an avenger which we keep coming back to so like he's also got superpowers you know yeah um but yeah, so Seeger is like 10 steps behind while they're chasing this guy. But like Kelly goes full action movie star. Y'all, they chase this guy through a parking garage and Kelly's like leaping over shit and like running around corners and just like doing parkour and crazy shit. Finally, he cuts the car off with a dumpster. Who he like pushes it out. Who thinks to do that? I wouldn't. I just, I, I will, I will stand by this. I will die on this hill that Kelly Severide is the smartest character in one Chicago. Yeah, I, I can see it. I will die. I don't on know hill. who else would be up there in like the top five. Who would have the instinct or the creativity to push a dumpster out and stop a car? I don't know. Yeah. No. I just put this man in intelligence now just like take him by the hair or like the back of his jacket and just pick him up and plop him into the bullpen yeah i mean he would he would fit right in and i mean they could use an extra body in there so why not yeah yeah just it could just be a big intelligence party yeah but he would crush it he would crush it and Voight would just be like can i poach you like it would be amazing (laughs) Yeah. Severin blows my mind, the shit that he does. It's pretty cool. For sure. But they got their guy, is the point. So we also had the Reddit storyline. I haven't laughed this much at a B storyline in a while. It was a good one. It was a really good one. Yeah, it was really good. Did you watch House when it was on? No, I saw an episode, mm-hmm. I think just parts of it, because I really wanted to see Jesse Spencer in it. Yeah. Um. And I, like, couldn't get over his Australian accent. I was like, oh, my God, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it's so funny that you say that. So my friend Melanie, she's been on the pod a couple times. Um, she, House was, like, her show. It was her jam. It was, like, it was to her what One Tree Hill is to me, which is, like, you know, the show. Um, yeah. And so the reason that she, she says that the reason she can't get into Chicago Fire is because of Jesse's American accent. I'm like, Melanie, like give him some credit. And she's like, I can't do yeah. it. I'm just like, well, come on. Sometimes it sneaks through. Sometimes. Yeah. You've really got to listen for it. But yes, I mean, it does. Yeah. It does. Um, but still, I mean, like, I couldn't imagine trying to play like a normal everyday person when, you know, it's not your native accent. Like Eamon too. I mean, Eamon's British. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just, they have to work that much harder. Like good for them. Mm-hmm. That would be tough. That would be really tough. So um, this was a great B story. So Cruz hops on Reddit. First off, why? 
What is he looking for? I still don't. Maybe it's just the old person in me. I don't understand Reddit the same way I don't understand TikTok. You're a youngin. Do you I, get it? No. Okay. I'd, maybe it's because I don't use it, but I mean, I also don't understand TikTok. So, and I'm like prime age for it. But okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I saw a lot of parallels like in this storyline with, mm-hmm. I mean, just the millennials and the younger generation versus mm-hmm. like the older generation as yeah. far as the internet and like social media. And so I'm excited for the next episode because, you know, Ritter and Gallo are going to bring them into the social media age. So are you as obsessed with Gallo and Ritter as we are? I've started following Alberto on social media and he is such a pure cinnamon roll. Like not even just Blake Gallo, but like Alberto too. Oh yeah, Um. absolutely. Just complete ray of sunshine. They nailed the casting. Just perfect. Love it. Love it. So for some reason, Cruz is on Reddit. I don't know why, Um, but he finds a thread because he's probably on like some sort of weird Chicago subreddit. That's all I know about Reddit is that there are subreddits. Um, And he finds this picture from 2004. Basically, this guy's just like, hey, do you know this firefighter? And right in the center of the picture is Casey with long, flowing, like gorgeous blonde hair. Oh, my God. I have a question. Do we think that they photoshopped a picture of him in house? I really, really hope so. And you know what? I tweeted this to Derek. I was like, please tell me, please tell me that you photoshopped a picture of him from house and nothing happened. But I just, it was so perfect and so great. And I love it so much. It was so funny. Um, Yeah. And so his partner is there too. His partner's name is Shimblecock, which like, I mean, the writers are just having a blast (laughs) now making up names. Um, but yeah, this is a picture of him and his partner, Shimblecock, from when he was at Engine 128. And so Cruz responds to the post. He's like, well, why, why do you want to know? And the guy just says, oh, I have something I want to say to him. This turns into the biggest guessing game slash investigation. And it is the funniest thing. It is so funny. Yes. That scene when they're all sitting there and they're starting to deduce things based off like the reflection in the window and like that guy's wearing a tank top and everybody else is bundled up. I was just dying. So I was laughing and for me it was more so like, okay, I feel like this is a funny, like not jab, but just a funny parallel to the fans that Mm -hmm. anytime there's a season finale or like, you know, a season premiere, we're like deducing those promo photos of like who is in there. And what is happening? Yeah. I, I thought it was it was a really funny thing to watch of like mm-hmm. you know, everyone just saying, well, there's that. So that must mean, you know, that was open on a Monday. Like it was just, it was funny. It was very funny. Yeah, very, very funny. And so Casey goes over to 128 to visit Shimblecock and he remembers the case exactly. Casey popped a kid's arm out of socket, pulling him out of a car. And Casey's so worried. He's like, what does this guy want? Oh my God. Um, and so they find out and he's just like, okay, we're just going to leave it at that. And Cruz is like, yeah, captain, I already responded because Cruz things. And so the whole thing ends with Reddit guy showing up and it turns out that he was looking for Shimblecock. It's just, the whole thing's hilarious. I love how he was like, you said you were going to get Matt Casey and Matt's like, I'm Matt Casey. And he's like, no, that's not you. Like that's I, I thought he wasn't going to recognize him because of the hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought for sure, like, the hair is going to make him not recognize Casey. That would have been so perfect. Right? I think that would have been even funnier than the guy looking for Shimblecock and not Casey. 
It's also really funny because Casey is the kind of guy that keeps his head down. He never, like, I, I he mean. He doesn't look for recognition. Oh, never, never. Yeah. And so, you know, for someone to want to talk to him, it's just kind of, it's almost like seeing Casey, like, out of his shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that whole thing was just really funny. But the, the long hair, just great nod. Great nod to House. Yeah. If it wasn't on the House, which I really hope it was. And it's important to note that he was a candidate in 04. So he's been on the job as a firefighter since at least 04. I don't know yeah. how long candidates have to, you know, ride the low totem pole. but Because you're a candidate right when you're out of academy, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because like Ritter, you in academy? Ritter and Gallo are still candidates. Are they both? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. But then it's the question of like, how long are you a candidate? Is it like a set amount mm-hmm. of time? Yeah. Hmm. Well, Ritter's been one for what two years because we saw him come in at in season seven. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. at least two years. Interesting, interesting. But yeah, okay. So Casey was a candidate. Two thousand four is the year I graduated high school. Just to show you how old I am. Um, but yeah, so interesting, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we also had Stella. Um. Is, this is kind of like, we're getting into like the smaller story now. Or no, not the smaller stories because we still have Brett. Oh my God. Um, but Stella. Jennifer, will you take us through Stella? Yes. So we saw Stella and Seeger talk, talk to some girls at a local high school, uh, you know, pitching girls on fire. There's one girl who's smacking her gum and Stella kind of calls her out. Um, I noticed a few of them weren't really paying attention somewhere, um, but it doesn't go over well. Mm-hmm. So Seeger suggests trying a different approach and she brings in these really flashy flyers and um, for a minute, you know, it seemed like Seeger was maybe going to help her pass them out, but Stella's annoyed because Seeger keeps putting everything on her um, and it just so happens that Seeger came with the flyers and then was called off onto an OFI thing with Severide. So she left with Severide. So Stella's sitting outside of uh, Firehouse 51, and she's got major sweet little Nathan vibes, um, but someone finally came to sign up, Kylie. Kylie seemed very interested, and, um, you know, just, I kind of saw a look on her face of like, oh, like, I feel inspired by you right now. So, so we see Kylie sign up, and then on the day of, Stella's still worried because Kylie's nowhere to be found. Her and Seeger are there. Um, someone from, you know, the higher ups shows up, um, but then Kylie ends up coming and she brings a few friends with her. So that was a nice little thing to see. Um, I'm waiting for the day that Stella kind of mentors someone like, you know, Mouches with Ritter and Casey is with Gallo. So yeah, I think we might get it with Kylie. Yeah. I feel like they're kind of taking us that way. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that because I feel like she could she could do it she could you know put herself up there and do that so I'm nervous that the things that they're like starting to set up in these back episodes are gonna get dropped in the beginning of next season yeah like I I hope not because I you know we're investing so you know carry it on that would be good yeah and most of them are pretty good storylines so I don't want to see them get dropped right right so I don't know we'll see so we also had Brett and Julie. Oh, God. Oh, we have to talk about this. Uh, do you want to take it or do you want me to take it? Um, I'll let you take it. We okay. can kind of meet, meet halfway or something. Okay. All right. So Brett and Julie. Oh, my God. Okay. So we start off at 
the Foster, Cruz, and Brett apartment, which is actually quite adorable, isn't it? It is. I noticed yeah. that. I was like, that apartment is super cute. Um, Julie and her husband are basically looking for restaurant suggestions to celebrate moving to Chicago. But while this is happening, Brett's kind of getting worried. She's like, the baby's going to come. I'm not going to be included in their family anymore. You know, I don't really want that. And so Brett and Julie have dinner at Molly's and Brett comes clear about how she's feeling. And Kelly's just like, not Kelly, uh, Julie, Kelly, Julie, names everywhere. Uh, Julie's like, no, I mean, like we moved to Chicago to be closer to you, which like, oh, break my heart. That is so sweet. So yep. Sweet. So Julie comes to 51 later on, turns out she's in labor. And I was totally like not suspecting anything. I was like, the music's happy. This is just going to be a run of the mill, normal birth. Cool. Awesome. There is a complication. So Brett texts Casey and I, and I kept going and I was like, this is fine. Like, it's okay. It's just a complication. They're just going to make us think that something's wrong. Julie freaking dies in labor. Like on the table, they had to, they had to do an emergency C-section on her. Like, How dare you, Derek? <laughs> I mean, okay, so, you know, we get miscarriages. Okay, they're, they're painful, but we deal with them. But then they give us a healthy pregnancy, and it goes, mostly full term, and then they, inj- they kill the mother, but give us the baby. Like, c- can we just have a full pregnancy and a full labor and have everyone be healthy? We had that twice. We had Cindy with the fifth baby and Donna. So I think they, yeah. they think we probably have had our fill. They're like, that's enough. That's, that's enough. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're fine. They don't I need just, it anymore. This drives me nuts because it's like, oh, the one time I let my guard down. Damn it. Yep. But this is really every time. It's so cruel. So cruel. And also um, the fact that this episode is called I'll Cover You. Are you a rent head? Are you familiar with rent? No. Oh, Jennifer. Um, Rent's amazing. The best musical. And there's a song called I'll Cover You. And it's without a doubt, every single time is the song that makes me cry every time. And so for this episode to be called I'll Cover You, it's just a double whammy. It's just like, this is rude. Um, Frankly, I did not ask for this attack. Um, But oh man, I can't believe they killed Julie. I mean, that's not even what really got me. Mm-hmm. It was the scene of Brett crying and holding the baby mm-hmm. because we had gotten so close to Julie mm-hmm. and the entire time that storyline was playing out. I was like, something's going to happen. Julie's either got an ultimatum or, you know, like something, there's something that's not going to go right. Why? Because this is Chicago fire. Like we, we know what's to come. And then this happens. And then, you know, Brett's holding the baby and she's crying and, oh, it was just, it was so sad. I was so sad. I know. And like, I'm glad that Casey was with her. I'm glad. I'm just glad that somebody was with her. Cause I mean, obviously that's, that's huge. Um, but you know, when Casey was like, no, go, like go see the baby. I was like, go with her, man. Like, this is a tough moment. Just not even as a Bretzy person. Am I saying, or cassette, I'm just being like, no, go with her. I'm saying like, dude, just be there for her shit. She just needs a friend. But yeah, I mean, that part of her just like holding the baby and crying, I was like, oh my God, this is her sister. And like, shit, shit. It was so, it just broke my heart. It gave me the chills. Am I the only person who was not waiting for the other shoe to drop with with Julie? 
Um, I don't know. I didn't see a whole lot of conversation on Twitter about it, but mm-hmm. I know I definitely felt it. I just, there was something off. I was like, something's not right. I just, I, I, I think I, at first I was just like, I treated her like any other new character. I was like, okay, let's just see what you're up to. Let's just feel you out. Mm-hmm. And then the more that she was just like good and they were having a great time and everything, I was like, I don't have to worry about her. This is fine. I'm not really like, maybe she doesn't have a secret. Maybe that's the surprise is that she does not have a secret. Right. And she technically didn't. She just up and died. Yeah. Just I was still waiting for something, though, to come out. But no. Yeah, so that's interesting that you note that. The episode description for 19 says that Brett makes a monumental decision. Mm-hmm. This baby's still got a father. So right. What are we doing then? I don't know. I, I mean she's going to be involved in that baby's life, right? We've really only seen that the baby's father interact with Brett once. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, at that point, it didn't seem like he was very, you know, welcoming of her. So I don't know. I mean, she's got a, like, she's got a demanding job, but then there, there again, there's other firefighters with kids on the show. So I don't know. I don't think she would like adopt the child because, Scott still has parental rights. Yeah, that, that adopting doesn't, doesn't seem plausible to me. So what is no. her monumental decision? I mean, maybe she decides she wants kids after that. But I, I don't know. I would like to think she's finally going to make her move, but that yeah. doesn't seem monumental to me. No. Well, that end, we didn't really see Casey interact with the baby. Like, I could see her wanting to make a move after seeing Casey interact with the baby. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe it's something to do with uh, Cruz and Chloe's wedding. Because we saw her standing up there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe, like, you know, she kind of works up the nerve to kind of tell Casey how she feels or realizes, you know, she's ready for something more. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So uh, we got a couple questions here. We got one from Brandy and Brandy said, you know, will what happened with Julie be the push that Cassette needs to finally admit to each other what everyone else sees? What do you think? I mean, even Julie saw it. Julie was like, okay, you guys aren't together. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've said it before, like if Cassette happens, they happen, but I need them to stop beating around the bush and just make it happen at some point i mean a kiss something but i I don't know i mean i could see it i could see it pushing her you know i mean just because life is short and you know you don't want to like you know risk anything else not happening but i don't know we'll see right where do you stand on cassette i'm not like in love with them but i'm also not you know like totally hating them so i'm kind of in the middle okay yeah okay Good to know. Uh, Emily H. also said, where do you think Bretzy is going and how likely do you think it is to happen sooner or later? I'm going to take the sooner on that part just because of our interview with Derek last week when we asked about Cassette and all he said was, I can't say anything. Yeah, I would say it's definitely going to happen sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at this point, probably more so in season nine, but we'll see. We'll see. We will see. So any other notes on fire? I don't think so. I mean, you know, just Gallo, Gallo and Ritter, like, explaining social media to Herman and Mouch was hilarious. Oh, my God. That hilarious. debate was so funny. Yes. Just 
the things that Gallo and Ritter come out with are always just the best and our little baby millennials. I love them so much. I love their friendship that they have. Like it's, it's great. It's pretty great. I need more of it. Yeah. So moving on to PD. Oh my God, this was a good episode. It was so good. So good. So good. Uh, It definitely took a turn that I was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That ending, oh my god! I mean, the beginning and the ending. I mean, yeah, it was good. So, yeah, this is kind of an Upton episode masked as a Rojas episode. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, we start off with a body dissolved in acid. Welcome to PD, y'all. I mean, uh, first we see the the body in the bathtub during the fire. So. All right, we're just yeah. getting dismembered bodies. We're here. up in it now. We, we went from water to acid. We mean business yep. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gael Rodriguez, this guy's a huge drug lord. He has dissolved his girlfriend in acid because nothing says I love you like an acid bath. So they're basically, they've been working on trying to take this guy down because he's bad news. And so Rowater tries to coordinate a buy with Gael's number two, TJ. So. Rojas and Atwater, they're undercover. And while they're doing this, while they're undercover, Rojas spots somebody that she knows. And so this guy's just like, well, who are you out here with? Like, I want to meet them. He's basically just being like, he's going to blow the deal if he keeps up. And so Rojas just like grabs him and makes out with him. Now, while this is happening, Upstead is in the van. And when she goes to say hi to this guy, they're just like, what the hell is she doing? What is she doing? And so they finally realize they're just like, okay, well, she's got to ditch him. Like, what are they doing? And so Jay wants to pull her, but Haley's like, no, like, let's, let's wait. Let's feel this out. We stand a supportive mom. (laughs) And then Rojas grabs this guy and she starts to make out with him to try and stall him. And they cut back to Upstead and Jay just goes, that's one way to do it. We also stand a supportive dad. (laughs) I saw someone tweet and they were like, uh, you know, Jay says that, but he knows that he would do that to Haley if, if it meant to keep his cover. It's like, yep, he would. He would. He would. And I'd probably never talk about it again because that's the upset relationship right there. Oh my God. Uh, could you imagine the sex club scene from season three with Upton and not Linstead? I want it. I want something like that to happen. Even... Even the season six scenes where like Upton and Ruzek were undercover mm-hmm. and she was, you know, they were doing that by and his dad was involved. Even something like, like that, mm-hmm. I would, I would totally be down for with Upstead. Yeah, we've never seen Upstead undercover. I, no. I would, I would go for that. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. So I also love how the fandom has collectively agreed on this notion that like Rojas is the daughter of Upstead. Oh yeah. I love it. There, that one picture of like, upset in the front seats of the car and like Rojas or yeah just great it's just perfect it. it's perfect and I also think Rojas might be the captain of the Upstead ship oh she definitely is I love it. definitely is I love it so much love it so Upton's got this major confidence she's like no like Rojas can do it no big deal she'll get it done she gets it done so they're back at the 21st and Rojas just tells Haley like he's an on again off again kind of ex you know just he's kind of an ex He's a person that I know. And Haley's like, well, wait a second. Like people in your life know that you're a cop, right? And Rojas just says, I don't really have a lot of people like just him. Her background and everything just like makes me sad. It just makes me want to hug her. Yeah. And I definitely want to know more about it because 
like she says that she doesn't have a lot of people in her life but you know it's just him but like now she does now she's got the team obviously they all know that she's a cop but you know i mean she she can uh you know rely on them for you know, to protect her. So yeah, yeah I, I want to know more about her backstory. Yeah. And even the point when, I mean, we find out later, this guy's name is Luis, but when Louise is talking about the halfway house and Jay's just like the halfway house, I was like, are we going to, are we going to allude to a drug problem that she had? Right. Yeah. Or drinking like something. Something. Yeah. Interesting. And so they coordinate another buy. They all, they meet for the buy and this like, I don't know what this location is. It's like a bus depot or something. But yeah. the deal's off. So this leads to them getting a wire for TJ. They call it a Title Three, which sounds so cool. Um, but they, the entire scene is so cool. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, and they track his every move. You guys, they build, like, this huge set of boards. They're monitoring this guy's every single move, every phone call, every yeah. text, every tweet. They know where he's going, who he's meeting with. It's amazing. Like it's the cool way the watch. scene was laid out was really cool too. Like yeah. voice narrating everything. Yeah, it was just it was really cool to watch. It was cool, and I, I love the way they've been doing that lately. Because there was that episode a couple weeks ago when uh, Burgess was meeting with uh, the suspect, and like she would kind of fill in the gaps of what everybody was doing around her. That yeah. was really cool. Really, yeah. really cool. Uh, and just the way they build out the puzzle of like it's multiple whiteboards put together into this crazy mm -hmm. web. And the Marina tweet that we were talking about earlier was that uh, Marina tweeted a BTS or behind the scene thing. I, I was going to say BTS, but obviously BTS means a lot different things to the younger generation. Um, yeah. So Marina said she was like, you know, to make it simpler, we filmed backwards. So we filmed like we started with the board fully assembled because it was a lot easier to take the board apart than to fill it in the other way. So interesting. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting how they edit it too, because, you know, like we saw, it was mostly Jay putting the pictures on the board. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they had to like reverse that edit that video or something. Yeah. It was, it was a really awesome scene. I'm so glad you mentioned Jay because we have to talk about this text message that we, was going back and forth between us. Okay, so I mean, obviously, we're seeing this as the days are going on, right? So we start off, Jay's just putting stuff on the board, whatever. It's another day now. And he is wearing this army green shirt <laughs> that, like, I noticed it. Brenna noticed it. You noticed it. And so we all texted at the same time. We were like, oh, that shirt. <laughs> it was a great shirt. I was like, okay, sure. so we're going there now. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then it's important to note Ruzak was in a different plaid shirt. He was, he was like chilling on the couch, you know, when they were briefing the board or something, I was like, okay. I think Ruzak's yeah. closet is just like all plaid and different colors. And then Jay's closet is like maybe like one or two plaid shirts, but then all Henley's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or like short sleeve shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Ruzak's yeah. probably got like a few denim button ups in there because we've seen him kind of wear those. But yeah, yeah. yeah no, he's definitely got like all the plaid. That yellow plaid is like front and center though. That's like his yeah. go-to shirt. Yeah. He's got to yeah. be like, wait, did I just wear this? Yeah. And then, like, you know, Atwater had to dig back into his closet for that purple coat last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, hey, it's fun. It's fun to point out the wardrobe department when they're doing good stuff. So, yeah, you know. Well, and like for me, because I'm such a nerd on looking back at like behind the scenes content that they give us mm -hmm. from set. Yeah. And I'm always like, did they wear the shirt in this episode? Because if they did, that's when they filmed it. I'm just a nerd like that. But 
there was some good behind the scenes content that we got while they were filming this episode. Yeah. And with the PD reruns that have been going on, I am, I was more so like spotting things, like pointing things out from, you know, from the behind the scenes content. So like there was a really old episode. It was like 302 that was on the other day where um, Antonio like is trying to negotiate with the hostage or whatever. And like, we see this whole setup and I'm like, that's the day that they were at the dinosaur museum and Leroy and Sophia were riding the dinosaurs. And my poor mom is just like, can you go back to work, please? (laughs) Just, you know, you might be a shit if you're connecting episodes to the behind the scenes content. Yeah. But yeah, so they build this whole thing. It's so badass. And so at night, Rojas and Atwater, they're doing some surveillance and, you know, they're just like commenting over that. So Kevin goes to get another protein shake. And while this is happening, Rojas spots Luis and she panics. Like, it's like an instant reaction. She panics and she deletes the video. (sighs) This is a portion of the podcast we call, girl, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, at that moment, I was like, this isn't going to turn out well no, at no. all. And she's, I mean, that's ballsy. She's a brand new cop for her to just be right. deleting shit. I mean, Haley literally said in this episode, she's been in the unit for like eight months. So, you know, I mean, like as far as it goes, she's still a rookie. Oh, yeah, I mean, big time. Oh, it was just, I mean, I give her props for like, you know, going all out. But still, that was, yeah. that was nuts. So nuts. So Rojas goes to Luis and Luis gets defensive really quickly. And there's just some like little tidbits of information here. So Luis is like, yeah, they only come to me when they want a car disappeared. Like I'm not involved with drugs. It's fine. Don't worry. And Rojas takes it at face value because she, she knows him, you know? So they basically are able to deduce that Gael only gets involved when someone need, like a buyer needs a really big re-up of drugs. And so they figured that out. They're like, okay, cool. We'll just like flood this neighborhood with buys. We'll dry it out so that they have to make a re-up and they have to get Gael's approval. It also turns out that the ASA working this case is a real hard ass. Like everything needs to be like teaser dotted, eyes are or teaser crossed, eyes are dotted. Like everything is perfect. And, and she's from the Darius Walker case. She is. Yes. So I feel like that's kind of where Haley felt like, oh, I need to step in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even make that connection. Nice one. Um, so Rojas panics and she tells Haley like immediately, like she is the way that I am when I tell a lie. I cannot tell a lie for the life of me. So like the minute I do something like five seconds later, I'm like, I'm sorry, that wasn't true. Yeah. yeah, that's a Rojas. So she like she does something and she's like, oh my god, I just did something bad. And then she's like, never mind, never mind, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad though that Rojas feels comfortable going to Haley. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that she has like she feels comfortable enough to go to her. Yeah, because I mean, Voight scares the shit out of me. I don't know if everybody else feels that way. I would not feel comfortable going to him. I mean, at the end, I would have been scared of him. She doesn't get a choice in that case. Oh, my God. A boss that shows up to my house at 1030 at night? No, thank right? you. Well, no. I saw someone tweet. I th- it might have been Marina. I'm not sure. And, you know, they were like, well, if Floyd doesn't show up to your house with a six-pack and drinks, like, you know that he means business. Oh, big time. You know you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and... Upton's first instinct isn't even like, let's go tell Voight. She's just like, okay, I need the truth so I can help. And so Rojas tells her what's going on and just the things that she's saying, she's like, okay, you know, I'll take care of it. And then she ends and she's like, next time come to me first. Like, you know how we have Casey and Casey Jr. on fire? This is like Mm -hmm. Voight and Voight Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, 
the Casey and Casey Jr. is pretty great because, like, obviously Casey wants it that way. Voight does not right. want a junior. No. 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 Ruzik tried, but Voight was just like, stop it. Yeah. No. Not good. So they flood the neighborhood with buys. They wait for Gael. They hear a name on the wire, and the name is Reyes. And they're all just like, who is Reyes? I don't know who this is. And spoiler, it's Luis. So there's also that moment when Rojas comes out and she's like asking Jay, she's like, so the guy's name is Reyes? Jay, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's like, are you all good? Like concerned father. I also need more scenes with Jay talking to not just Rojas, but all members of intelligence. I feel yeah. like he just talks to Haley and maybe Ruzak. Yeah. Like I feel like he doesn't talk to anyone else. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. He really doesn't. That's how the whole Jake and Kate thing started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which is really like funny. I, but still. Yeah, I feel like Haley talks to Atwater. You know, I mean, everyone talks to each other, but Jay, like, distanced himself mm-hmm. from, you know, from the other team members. So, we yeah, need, no, I definitely need more scenes. Yeah, we need, like, Jake and Kate names for everybody else. So, like, mm-hmm. maybe Adam is, like, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kevin can be, like, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And then Vanessa can be like Victoria. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So bad. But yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that, but yeah, I, 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 I like, I like the oddball pairings. Like even just that mm-hmm. one second of Jay and Rojas interacting, I was like, I like this. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm with you on that. So Vanessa confronts Luis, or Luis, like for good this time. She's like, no, I know what you're up to. And again, the tidbits of dialogue here, he's like, I went to prison so you wouldn't be standing where I am. So just like take that dialogue and just like put it in your brain, like bookmark mm-hmm. that. We're coming back to it. So Rojas gets back to the apartment slash house slash. I mean, I really can't believe that Upton lives in such a sweet place. Like the more we see of that right. place, I'm like, that place is fucking sweet. Like, yeah i mean it is that place i don't even know like well and remember in i think it was like 619 or 620 when ro uh ruzak and upton came out of her place together and then like Mm -hmm. they went on that car chase the pharmaceutical drugs yeah you know and got in that shootout that is definitely the same place that was like a standalone building like that's not like a apartment complex so she like has money or something like did her parents like fund her? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that place is just like too sweet, but also, I mean, there was that one episode where Ruzik was like house hunting or something with her and that place was really sweet too. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I wonder if Jay still lives in that super sad bachelor pad. I don't know, but I feel like if Upton was ever to get together, Upton would just be like, yeah, you're coming over to my place. We're done with yours. Yeah. Yeah. So they get back to this place and there's a knock at the door. First off, the knock at the door, like super late at night should be like scary enough. I mean, yeah. Hell, we got a delivery yesterday at my house and somebody rang the doorbell and we were all terrified. We were like, oh my God, no, who is it? It was just a delivery. Um, But yeah, so she opens the door and it's Voight. Oh my God. I'm sorry. My boss shows up at my door at like 11, 12, whatever time it is. I'm like, oh God. Your boss is Voight? oh god i'm telling you void terrifies me like he scares me yeah oh my gosh and so void comes to the house and he's like i know where you just were like we need to talk and vanessa just puts her head down and she's like and fuck and just like opens the door like and fuck so she tells the whole story she comes clean because i mean that's just like of course i mean at that point you have to 
I mean, I feel like Voight would just have to stare at me and I would spill all my deepest, darkest secrets. Like things that I didn't even do, I would admit to. I would just be yeah. like, he scares me. And so she comes clean. She's like, yeah, listen, like, you know, when they were 17, she and Luis got caught jacking cars and Luis took the fall. And so, you know, Voight's actually pretty good about it at first. He's like, you know, you think I give a damn about your past? Like it's going to make you a good cop, maybe even a great cop. But he like spews some wisdom, which I loved. I was like, oh yeah, that's like a really good line, boy. Like that's some wisdom. Mm -hmm. And then I also saw the notes in the outline where both of you were just like, that's so hypocritical. And I was like, oh fuck, it is. I forgot that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. For me, it's weird because Voight, like, he's got a double standard. You know, he'll go to the ends of the earth to make sure someone has justice. But the minute that one of his detectives does what he would do, Mm -hmm. he's like, oh no, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. So it's just so interesting. It, no, it totally is. And I think it's, I think the reason that Voight feels so preachy about this, that he's like, there's a clear line between cops and criminals. Like you chose this side, whatever. He, I feel like he looks at himself like a Dexter type of person where it's like, yeah, he does some shady shit, but it's for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it's open to interpretation, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think that he looks at all of his detectives and cops as like his own. You know, like they're part of his family. They're almost like his children in a weird sense that, you know, I mean, he will protect them. I mean, we've heard him say it before, lie for me so that, tell me the truth so that I can lie for you. So, you know, I mean, he's, he's got flaws, but then again, what he is flawed for, I mean, helps him be a good cop in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten to a point now over seven seasons where even when he does shady shit, I'm like, well, he had this, this, and this reason for it. Yeah. And I'm just like at the point now where I'm like, well, as long as he knows how to get away with it, I guess it's fine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But um, as he's leaving, I mean, how I, I feel like it's very fatherly of him, but also, again, a little creepy that he doesn't even need to see Haley on the stairs to know that she's there. Right. <laughs> um. And he's just like, I'm going to assume you didn't know any of that. And like the balls on Haley that she's just like, I didn't know all of it, but I knew some of it. Like, do you have a death wish? Right. I would never know. Like I had this situation come up in the office a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month or so ago, but like, you know, when you're like, you know, when somebody, somebody else is speaking to somebody in a manner that you would never speak to that person, mm-hmm. a secondhand embarrassment and like the cringe of it. Yeah. Oh God. How she's just like, like I knew some of it just right well I remember in 421 when she first came in like she was very hesitant to voice like ways Mm -hmm. and she would talk back to him so she's always been like a pistol to him Mm -hmm. but again like she she just like she doesn't care she will go there she'll say what she wants and you know I mean if you don't like it too bad so she's got some balls because like man man um, and so she's just like, yeah, I was trying to protect her. And Voight just says like, that was your call to make. And she just very confidently is like, I thought that was the call you'd make, which like, yes, yes it is. But there's a reason that he insists that he be the one to make those calls and not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, because Voight can work his way out of it. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. We've seen him do it how many times? A million. Yeah. Also, how funny is it that, you know, we saw Ruzik try to be like Voight Jr. And the minute that Hank was like, back it up, like back up and stop. He like, he eased off. He didn't keep pushing mm-hmm. the issue. 
Haley is just like, no, fuck this, fuck you, fuck all of it, I'm out of here. Yeah. It's interesting. But uh, yeah, so Reyes shows up to the buy, obviously finds out that Vanessa's a cop. You know, his face is just like, ugh. Um, I also do want to point out that Vanessa's hair in this episode is on point. Yes, those braids. Oh my God, it looks so good. She had the braids going and then she had like the curl down one side. Yeah. I was like, damn, like she's making arresting this guy look really good. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, well, not relevant, like she, but still. She didn't like want to pull her gun on him at first. Mm-hmm. Like she was, she was even in shock. Like, you know, I mean, God, if I was there and had to do that, I'd be like, am I really doing this right now? Am I really going to pull a gun on this ex-boyfriend and this guy that was basically there for me? You know, I just, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so the whole buy falls apart because then like, you know, they they set up a whole thing for, to find TJ and then like all the things go down. Basically, Gail makes them and they find TJ dead. The whole buy just unravels. And so they don't have a case, which means they don't have a deal for Luis. And all of it falls apart. And Rojas is like, well, shit, like, you know, Luis is my person. Now I, I have to let him go. And they have this scene that's like, you know, feelsy. And she just, yeah. she's like, I never mattered to anyone growing up, like not until I met you. And then she says, she's like, that's why I became a cop. I wanted to matter. Vanessa, girl, you Lissette matter so hard. Killed- you matter. Yeah. Well, and Lisette killed the scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the emotion. I mean, even Haley, like, was watching it and was getting teary-eyed, I can see. It was mm-hmm. like, this is just, oh my gosh. It it hurt so badly, but it was so good to see. And, like, Lisette killed it. She totally killed it. And the guy who played Louis, his name's Manny. Oh my god, he did such a good job. Yeah. yeah. Such a good job. Um, and then when, you know, he, he finally looked at her, he was like, I can't be your person anymore. I, my thought, I was like, that's okay. You've got like six people behind you. You've got people, you've got a family. I felt bad for her, you know? Um, yeah, you know, it kind of hurt. I felt really bad, but later on Haley is like, no, Haley sees this and she's just like, fuck this, fuck this. She asks Luis about planning or about traps, putting traps in a car. This girl, when I say Haley planted evidence on Gael, Haley and Upton planted evidence on Gael Rodriguez. I mean, ugh. and then she's like right there to watch it too. Damn, Haley. Damn. Yeah. Um, Voight is so mad. Like maybe even the angriest we've ever seen him. Yeah, I, I would venture that far to say that. He was so mad. Oh my God. So this was one of those moments. Cause you know how you saw the tweet that was like, if Voight doesn't have alcohol, like you're in trouble. So mm-hmm. when he's just like, shut the door, I was like, Oh, you're in trouble. And then he would yeah. like, sit down. I was like, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, she just takes it. She's got like that straight face on and she's just like, all right, bring it on, dude. Oh man. And so again, here goes Voight just like spewing off wisdom. And he's like, do you understand that? Like you crossed the line. Like the problem with crossing lines is you cross enough of them and you don't know where they are anymore. And that's been his whole worry with Haley this entire time is that like, Mm -hmm. don't become like me because you might not be able to handle it the way I do. Yeah. And so, oh man. Now, if we go back to the middle of the episode, in the middle of the episode, Hank gets a call and it comes up on his phone as the FBI field office. Now, I watch FBI and I didn't even make this connection. You I didn't even catch that. I did not catch that. But no, I don't watch FBI. Okay. But I will next week. Yeah. I watch it and I did not even make this connection, which like I'm so disappointed in myself because 
Bryna had watched this episode before I had, and she was like, I thought you were going to like die. That's how she gets over to FBI. And I was like, of course it is. I was like, Gina, you're so stupid. How did you And we had that? seen the behind the scenes yeah. of her with Zikozaki. So the FBI field office in New York needs a loan out. And this is kind of Hank's way of punishing her is that he's like, no, mm-hmm. like I'm loaning you out. You're going, that's it. And she's still being really smug about it. And so like, he like, he does one of his things where he like just throws everything off the table, like gets in her face and screams. And I'm just like, eh, eh. like I'm cool with it when he does it to like Outwater or Ruzik yeah. or like one of the guys. Ah, I don't like it doing it to Upton. And yeah. I mean, I get that he does it because like she can handle it. Or does he though? I mean, I don't know. That's a well, tough one. I didn't, I didn't like seeing him get up in Upton's face. I mean, I drew the parallel last night and I saw that others had too of the way that she reacted to it of not even flinching. She had a straight face. She kept eye contact with him. Like, does that go back to her childhood with her dad? Oh my God. I didn't because, even think about that. You know, I mean, if he would get into her face and yell at her and scream and throw things or whatever, like, did that set a trigger in her of mm-hmm. where she's like, okay. Yeah, a few weeks away from you and the rest of the unit will do me good. I don't know. That is I mean, such it was, a good parallel. It was thrown around on Twitter. And, like, I mean, the way that Tracy and Haley, like, played that, mm-hmm. oh, my God. I mean, I would be shaking. I was shaking. Like, and I was just watching it. Yeah. I, I mean, that was insane. But also, I need a deleted scene or something of after she leaves Voight's office, she goes to talk to Jay mm. and she's like, listen, this is what's going on. Like Voight, you know, just came down on me. Like they have their thing after yeah. work, you know, I need that, but that's in my own little head. So yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I mean, yeah, I just, I, I wonder that- if we're going to see friction between Jay and Voight in episode 19. Like I'm if Jay's going to be kind of mad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering how he's going to handle, you know, like Voight sending her off to New York. Cause we kind of saw him with Aaron, like, you know, when she left, you know, he was a little like, have you heard from her? Anything like that? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, because will this make Jay realize his feelings for Haley? You know, That's a good question. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's going to be interesting. But yeah, so uh, Void is shipping her off to New York. Like that's her punishment. Like, yeah. I mean, for a few weeks, for a few weeks. So she should be coming back. Well, the air quotes is a few enough. weeks because yeah. Tracy posted on Instagram and she's like, don't worry, I'm going to be gone for a few weeks, but I'm mm-hmm. coming back once it's over. Now, I think the plan might have been to have her on FBI for more than one episode, but next week's episode of FBI is their season finale. Mm-hmm. So, and I then with know. this whole production thing, yeah, Who knows? yeah, and so, um, Tracy is going over to FBI for I guess it was supposed to be multiple episodes, it's one. Um, you know, we did see the behind the scenes photo of Haley or Tracy and Zico that I about lost my mind over a couple weeks ago because just the universe is just oh, um, there's also there was a funny thing that, um, in this past week's episode of FBI, it was a crossover between FBI and their new spinoff, Most Wanted. Um, and Zico and Zico's character and Kellen Lutz's character were both military and they're kind of bonding. And in that moment, Zico's like, yeah, I was in like this branch of the military and I have to go back and compare it to see if he and Jay were in like the same unit. 
Um, I haven't done that yet, but I wonder if her and I wonder if her and OA will like, you know, become close. You know, like she'll tell him about Jay, I would assume, and how, you know, Jay was overseas and like OA will connect with that. So it'll be interesting to see. I need to catch I need to just watch FBI from the very beginning. I'm really quarantine for I mean, it's like it's it's like it's like svu like it's it's one of those where like it's a procedural it's very formulaic mm-hmm. but the cases are good and like the snippets of personal interaction we get are few and far between but they're very good when they happen um, yeah and so, i saw a few of the first episodes yeah and the timing is perfect because over on fbi missy peregrine's character maggie has taken an undercover assignment um really Missy Peregrine is pregnant and she's on maternity leave. So, I mean, the timing is perfect, but uh, I'm, I'm just so excited to see these two characters from these two different shows that I watch interact. Like, I'm really yeah. excited to see how Haley and Zika or not Zika, Haley and OA like work together mm-hmm. and how they click. Like, I'm excited. I would also well, and we found out today that Monica Raymond like directed the episode too. So like that's one, really cool. One Chicago section. Like, yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. I'm excited. I'm, I'm legit excited to see that happen. I mean, the past times that we've discussed it about like FBI and Chicago, like crossing paths, I always kind of was like, dude, I would love to see like a long distance flirtation between like Burgess and OA, just them having like a text relationship. But I mean, I could go on and on. I'm excited to see them interact. So well, and it's interesting too, because like PD is on NBC, FBI is on CBS. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, not only is Haley going to New York, but like it's also a different network so it'll be cool it'll be cool this is also so cool because there's going to be a lot of people that watch fbi but don't watch one chicago mm-hmm. and they're just they're not even going to think that like oh she's on another sh- another show that we should check out right yeah i'm excited it'll be it'll be interesting to see how fbi introduces Haley coming in mm-hmm. you know and like how voight tells the rest of the unit like Haley is gone for you know an episode or whatever because yeah. it'll you know i mean i think about ruzek going undercover, you know, and Rickson came in. Like, we never really got an explanation to that until after Ruzak came back. Right. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, big time. So we will see. We will see. Uh, we got a couple of questions. We got one from Adam. He said, will Haley learn her lesson while in New York City with FBI? I think she will. Um, you never really see anybody go rogue on that show. Yeah, Voight had made, made it a point that they're pretty – they they're pretty straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. So I think she will. And so, um, CPD Halstead fan said, how could this storyline be the push for Upstead to finally get their act together? Hey, I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, and you've got Vanessa Rojas staying back. So, I mean, who is Jay going to be partnered up with? I really hope Vanessa and I hope that she kind of calls him on it. So I would love we'll that. See. So you would have Jay and Vanessa, and then Ruzewater Ruse would be by herself. Yeah, Ruzewater could partner up with uh with Voight. Hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. So this episode, man. Oh my goodness. Wow. And it's it's important to note that it was a Rojas-centric episode. There was some Haley thrown in there, but then we also got a cute little Burzak moment. We did. We did. I'm so oh. glad those two were like smiling with each other. Yes. And, yeah. I will take all of the breadcrumbs from every ship yes. that I can get. Do you watch, um, have you ever seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No. 
Oh, you can watch that show. Um, There's a lot of musical numbers. And one of the songs is called Love Kernels, where she's talking about how, like, the guy she has a crush on just gives her, like, love kernels that are just, like, basic nothing, like, throwaway moments that she's just like, I'll take it. So, yeah, yeah, I'll take it all, all of it. But that was funny when she's like, you look lovely. And he's like, I try. Yeah. I'm glad this two are at a place where they can smile and laugh with each other. Mm -hmm. So. It'll be interesting to see next week's episode, or next episode, though. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to be angsty, so who knows? So, any other notes about PD? I don't think so. I mean, you know, just it's it, it's also interesting how Haley pulls the J card or the jail card on all of her coworkers. She did with Jay with the whole <laughs> Matthew Garrett. <laughs> she did with Ruzak and the whole Antonio, and now with Rojas. Like, I wonder if she ever thinks about that, like before she does. Yeah, but like she could stuff. go to jail for planting the evidence. Right. I mean, would it be as hard of a charge as, you know, going to jail for obstruction of justice? Or, I I don't know. Yeah. It's also interesting to me that, to see that reaction out of Upton, like, what is it, why is she so protective of Rojas? Right. Because when Adam did shady shit, the first season that she came in, in season five, she was ready to throw his ass under the bus. Right. So what is it? Why is she so protective over Rojas? I wonder. I wonder if something happened. Well, I mean, we've, we've heard it before, you know, with McGrady, like he would pin any little thing that he could on her, mm-hmm. you know? And like, um, I mean, we've gotten some of her backstory. So I would assume that something had to have happened when she was either, maybe she did patrol or was a rookie or something, but something had to have happened earlier in her police career mm-hmm. to like make her look out for other females yeah because because she even did with burgess and the whole like informant thing you know with sierra and isabel so she's just she's all about that girl code and like you know i mean kind of but you know she's all about watching out for her fellow female officers so i don't know if we ever get to play one chicago trivia i want you on our team because you're recalling details that I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm trying to, yeah. And then I'm also like, well, did that happen or was that just in my head? So <laughs> so that is about all we've got for tonight. Um, before we wrap up, though, I did propose this idea to Bryna, so I just want to kind of go forward with this. So we've talked about introducing a new segment of the podcast called Girl, What Are You Doing? Where we basically just award it to the person who does the stupidest thing out of all three shows during the week. Uh, so the, the very first girl, what, what are you doing award? What would you give it to this week? I mean, that's a tough one because it could go to Will and Rojas. But I don't know if we're doing it between all three shows. I would say Rojas. Why not Upton? I would say Upton. Well, I mean, yeah, Upton. Yeah, she did. She did uh, plant that evidence. But I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because they're all three. You know, there's three of them. But yeah, I don't know. I would say, I would say it might be a tie between Rojas and Upton for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, shouldn't be left out though because I mean that was that was pretty hardcore. But you know, I mean, it all worked out. She's she was still living. You know, she didn't die or anything. So no, no, I might give it to Upton this week just because, like, man, girl, do you have a death wish? Like, I would never yeah. talk to Boyd that way. I would never talk to my boss that way. Period. Yeah. No. Neither would I. <laughs> Even a coworker, like, no, I would not. Mm-mm. I don't know how they do that. Like that—that that is a stressful work environment. I would not be able to hang there. 
Yeah. No. Well, like, think about it. Like, the late nights. Oh. And then just, you know, you got all that angst between all those coworkers. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. So... All right. So I think that's about all we've got today. Uh, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. We're always watching other stuff, especially right now in this crazy ass time. Like we're doing all sorts of other stuff. So um, I've recently started watching like makeup tutorials on Instagram and I'm all about that. I'm like, maybe that's going to be something I learned during quarantine. I don't know. So um yeah. And so, yeah, email us anytime, anything, meet us at mollies at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, please, 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 if you would not mind taking a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we would so greatly appreciate that. It does help other shyhards find the show. And especially with Peacock coming along, which I'm with Derek, as he told us last week, he was like, that should drop early. I'm like, it should totally drop early. Um, I want it now, like now. Um, you know, it's going to help grow the community. So yeah, if you could do that, that would be great. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Jennifer, where are all the places that we can find you? Uh, you can find me most of the time on Twitter at jstark804. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to plug? Any other podcasts? So. Any, no? No. Okay, no. cool, cool. So Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us tonight. So thank you fun. so much for having me. Oh, 100%. You're welcome back anytime. So thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. But um, there are no new episodes next week, but I think you should have seen our postings by now on social media. We are going to try our hand at the first ever Meet Us at Molly's Instagram Live crossover rewatch. Ayo. Um, go on to our Twitter or our Facebook or Insta, and you should find the link there. Go ahead and vote because whatever crossover we watch is completely up to you. So, you know, Get in there, vote, make your voice heard, and we will see you guys on Instagram Live on Wednesday. So everybody have a good weekend. We will talk to you then. Bye.